Okay, last week we covered the heart of Paul's prayer in Colossians chapter 1. And so please turn there in your Bible, Colossians chapter 1. This is... uh, where Paul focused on his request for Christians in Colossae and we receive it ourselves and recognize that his, his desire is that uh, we would grow, we would mature. And that's the idea behind the prayer. And it, we see it in verse 9. This is what we really uh, spent the bulk of our time last week. Verse 9 for this reason also, since the day we heard of it, we have not asked, uh, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding so that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, you are the author of this book and uh, we bow before you here asking that you would lead us and guide us in this time. Lord, I, I just I know that there's a lot of things going on, a lot of uh, thoughts in our minds, concerns for our families or concern for our work, all sorts of things that we uh, we know of. But right now, Lord, what matters most is that we are sitting quiet uh, before you and asking that you, by your Spirit, would lead us into your truth. And be a a transformed people because of it. Lord, uh, help me. Guide me and and keep me from saying things that aren't uh, really mattering in this issue, uh, in this subject. Um, Please do your good work in it and draw us near to to our precious Savior in it all. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is really part two of our message on Paul's intercessory prayer, and it's dealing with the results. Here's, here are the results. And so this, um, everything, everything goes back to this request that you'd be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Everything in this next couple of verses, everything goes right back to that. So that we understand, here's, here's the flow of this, okay? And it's important that we understand that it's not a matter of, um, when he says, I pray that you would be filled with the knowledge of his will. And the, the concern there is not the matter of just having all sorts of facts and all sorts of knowledge, okay? It's important that we, we understand that. Because when he says, be filled with the knowledge of his will, in what? In all 
spiritual wisdom and understanding. So it's not just a bunch of facts. Um, Christianity does not boil down to a, a list of things that I get as knowledge. Christianity is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Okay? And so it's about a, a person, Jesus. And in that, as we want to grow in our faith, it's got to be about then following up with knowledge. It's got to be. There has to be knowledge of who is this Jesus. Okay? So that's the, the background of it. And uh, he's going to lay out before us, here are the results. And it's for their maturity. Okay, so the knowledge that he's bringing up here is distinct from the knowledge that they're dealing with in Colossae, that, that super uh, superior knowledge that they were being presented with. You've got to have a superior knowledge. And so Paul is dealing with this uh, Colossian heresy, and he hasn't spoken of it specifically yet. He'll get to that in chapter 2. But he's, he's building it. He's building it up here. That you'd be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That's what um, that knowledge is consisting of. That's where He's headed. Spiritual wisdom and understanding. And with typical Jewish influence, Paul emphasizes, here's the proper response to God. And that, that's this. It's not just, like I said earlier, it's not just a matter of facts and and uh, things that you memorize so that you have knowledge. It's in the Jewish influence, it was a matter of response. Walk it. Do it. So here's the knowledge. Now go and do it. That was the emphasis in, in Jewish culture. Greek and Roman culture, just, you know, you could sit around in the in the courtyards of the great, you know, colonnades and, you know, Roman colonies or whatever, you know, and, and just, just wax eloquently about it. Let me ask you something. Where is America at with that? Where is America at in that regard? Are we more like Jewish culture or are we more like Roman and Greek culture? We're more like Roman and Greek culture. We, we know a, we know a lot. But what's really happening? What's really happening? And that ought to serve as a challenge to each and every one of us that say I'm a Christian because that's the constant thing. I'm in a culture that's really comfortable. You're in, you know, we, we have it really, 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 really nice. You get that? We got it really, really, do I want to say it again? <laughs> really, we have it really nice. Even the, the one that's the worst off in this room. You have it really, 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 really nice. Okay? And the constant thing of, of Scripture is what are we going to do with what we know? What are we going to do with it? That's what fears me in my own life, in my thinking about, you know, my uh, accountability to the Lord, so to speak. You turn on your computer and you look at the internet and if you're 
guarded in what you're reading or you know looking up on the internet and you're saying I want to I want to learn and grow. You can learn all sorts of things on the internet. You can learn Greek language, you can learn the Hebrew language, you can have all sorts of commentators telling you here's the way it is. And thus the the ballooning, the mushrooming of knowledge just keeps coming, coming, coming. And we've got people in this room, you know, that You've been at it for more years than I've been at it. And it's a matter of what do we do with what we know. And so that's what he's building towards. And so here's some of the results. Here's the, the flow of the outline. Number one, the vitality of growth. That's, if, if here's the filling of knowledge of his will is true of you, then there's the vitality of growth that will happen. It'll be there. And it's growth. And it's, it's, that's why I say the vitality of growth. And it's in verse 10 we see it. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please Him in all respects, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. So verse 10 is point number one. The vitality of growth. Letter A, it's about your direction. Your direction. And all that is getting at is when, it, when he says, so that you may walk in a manner worthy, that's the idea. When you walk, you don't, uh, how many, how often do you see people walking in, in place? They're not, maybe at ROTC or whatever, but you know, when you walk, you go in a direction. And you take one step at a time. What's this about? It's about walking worthily. That's what he's getting at. It expresses, and this is this verb in the Greek expresses purpose. In other words, it, uh, there's no Greek word in in verse ten. There's no Greek word that's uh, translated so that. That's in the verb, and the verb is pointing to purpose, result. Okay, that's the kind of verb it is known as an infinitive, and so. You are saying, this is, here's the result of this knowledge that you'll walk, or in order that you may walk. And what does walk refer to in the New Testament over and over again? Here's your life, your conduct. Here's how you live. Here's your behavior. So, what was he talking about earlier? What's his, his, the core of his prayer is for the filling of the knowledge of his will. There's doctrine. There's, there's understanding. Here's, Here's knowledge coupled with conduct, behavior. Okay? And so it implies walking, always implies here's your life. How is your life? You know, you say, well, my life is good. No, what do I mean by that? How's your walk with the Lord? Okay? So it's about daily conduct. That, and that is, that it's worthy of the Lord. You say, oh, I, you know, wait a minute. This idea of worthy, I, no one can attain that. You're right. No one can attain true worthiness before Jesus because here, what did I say before about what the Christian life is? It's not about you and I taking a list and performing the list. The Christian life is about what? Christ in you. Christ dominating. Christ being there in your life. And not being put in the corner. Not being just a little, uh, a wanna patch. 
they're on your on your shirt, right? And so the idea is that we are trying to train our children. By the way, I, I was, that's it's a joy to see the children up here. It's great. We ought to, uh, you know, be excited about that. I hope you're excited about it to see the children being trained in these things. But the the catch is always: will they stay with it? Will they stay with it? And so it comes back to moms and dads demonstrating in their own lives. I want to show my child Jesus. I don't want to show him a list. I want to show him Jesus in my life. Okay? So, um, how does a worthy walk come about? Well, it's number one, by being saved. We said that last week. That's a part of being in God's will. You've got to be saved. If you're not saved, if you're not a child of God, then you're not in God's will. You need to come to faith in Christ. You need to admit your sin to Him and you need to call out to Him as the Savior of your life and recognize that He took your place because God will punish sin. There will be wrath against sin and you need to put your faith in Christ because He is the Savior saving you from God's wrath. You say, wait a minute, I thought it was saving me from hell. Well, that's God's wrath. There it is. You must be saved. You must be born again. That's how we come to know God, through faith in Christ. Okay? 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 19, 20, and 21. Look it up there. Uh, mark it down on your notes. So, the idea is that we'd have a, a worthy walk, which... Then the next phrase in Colossians 1 verse 10 says that you'd be pleasing Him in, in all respects. That's a worthy walk. It's not just on Sundays. It's not just when you have your devotions in the morning or the evening. It's all the time. It's a lifestyle, right? And it's, so that's the idea behind the growth issue. That you would be growing in the Lord. Not just attaining facts, but then drawing near to the Lord Jesus in your life. So what's the direction of your life? Think about that. What's the direction of your life? What does that look like? What do people see in that factor? I'm not talking physically, I'm walking in that direction. I'm talking about spiritually. Which direction are you going? Where are you headed? What do people see? Okay? So that's the, the walk. Uh, that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, pleasing Him in all respects. Letter B is, your, uh, is fruitfulness. Fruitfulness. Okay? And uh, we just want to talk about bearing fruit. Bearing fruit in every good work. And now, listen, the, the verb, again, very simply stated... The verb is in the present continuous action. Present tense, continuous action. So what is that saying to us? That fruitfulness ought to be continual. Is fruit immediate? In a, in, you know, when we bring up fruit, we bring up the idea of a tree. And is fruit immediate in a tree? I wish. <laughs> I want that pear. I want that orange. You know, whatever, apple. We, we want to experience you know, it right away. But no, 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 no. But in the Christian life, 
there is fruit that comes pretty quickly. And it's the fruit of your lips giving what? Praise to God. That's fruit. Hebrews chapter 13, okay? So there ought to be fruit in your life immediately as a Christian. I praise God that He saved me, that He forgave me, that He's given me a hope in heaven, a home in heaven. I I thank Him and I praise Him for that. So fruit comes forth. So we have a great parallel to this truth in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. You don't need to turn there, um, but Ephesians 2.10 says that we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus, what? For good works, which God prepared beforehand, beforehand that we would w- walk in them. So response. God made us so that we would bear fruit in our lives. Uh, John, just mark these references down. John 15, verse 8. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. Matthew 7, verse 17. Every good tree, Jesus is saying this, every good tree bears good fruit, but a bad tree bears bad fruit. So Jesus is pointing out that trees are judged by their fruit. And that, that it's a simple teaching technique, folks. And all throughout Israel, you walk around, there's olive trees all over the place. Or fig trees. Are they bearing fruit? And Jesus walked by a tree and what did he do? He, he cursed it. Why? It wasn't bearing fruit. Christian, you and I are to be bearing fruit in our lives. That's his prayer. And, and here's the result of the prayer. Um, and we also add in the reference of Psalm chapter 1. That blessed is the man. And Psalm chapter 1 goes on to say, His delight, the blessed man, his delight is in what? The law of the Lord. And in his law he meditates day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by streams of water, which brings forth fruit in its season. And there's the picture of your life in Christ. Okay. So, fruit, listen, fruit can be a lot of different things. Let's get more specific now, okay? Fruit can be a lot of different things. Like, for instance, virtue. Virtues. Young people, learning to say, I'm going to be honest, rather than the temptation of lying. You do that now. You you choose honesty now and truthfulness now. Then you can build your life in that way. Saying, I'm going to build my life on being truthful. Young people um, that don't have uh, the encouragement and the influence of, of spiritual living, Christian living, they can learn how to lie and lie really good. And guess what happens? then they build their life to cover that lie. They have to build on more lying. And it's very slick. Very slick. And uh, so that's one example. There's a virtue that we want to go for. Honesty, truthfulness. What about purity of thought? There's another fruit that God wants to develop in your life. Especially us men. Men. We've got to have thoughts that are... are it's pure thoughts. And we're bombarded with visuals all the time, men. 
And it's, it's wanting to take you down the wrong road towards lust, towards selfishness, etc., etc. So, a, a great virtue is, here's purity of thought, just bringing the scriptures to mind over and over and over again to, so that the, the washing of the water of the word would be taking place to get rid of that gunk that builds up in your mind that's all about self, that's all about lust, that's all about garbage. Okay? What about bridling your tongue? Self-control. This is another excellent virtue that you'd learn to say, I'm not going to say that. And there's fruit that starts building in your life. What about, um, and that's about self-control, isn't it? Self-control. What do we, you know, and you see what's coming. Here's the fruit of the Spirit starting to build up. The fruit of the Spirit. Okay? Uh, Gentleness. Thoughtfulness. Kindness. Those things... Those are virtues. That, and that's fruit there. There's fruit. What about uh, good works? So there's that category of virtue, but there's also the category of good works. Well, good works have... Start, let's start with this. A servant's heart. Having a servant's heart is, is a great fruit to, to, to be building and cultivating in your life. A servant's heart. You know, you, you come home. Students, you come home. Or children, you come home. Uh, uh, husbands, wives, you're, you're, it's like a lot of, a lot of, uh, everyone's working. So you come home, and, and what happens? <laughs> Is a servant's heart the first thing on your mind when you come home? Okay? Servant's heart. That's what Jesus, you know, demonstrated to his disciples. Um, also, that, having a servant's heart brings relief, brings comfort, brings encouragement. That's what is good in a home. You know, to see fruit building like that and growing like that. What about giving? There's another good work. Giving. Giving money. Giving gifts. Giving of your time. Um, and a benevolence. You know, helping in that way. These are good fruits because they're, they're good works. All right? Personal visitation. Personally visiting people. You know, we've got... Um, uh, Folks going off to homestead and visiting folks that can't, you know, help themselves hardly. Or, um, uh, what's the other one? Highland Manor, thank you. Okay, Highland Manor and homestead. There, there's a great way to go and, and say, share, here's personal visiting. I just want to come by and, and uh, talk to you. How you doing today? You know, those kinds of things. Um, uh, many of you, many of you are so excellent at and being on right on and sending a, a card of encouragement, not because it's the guy or gal's birthday, but just to encourage them. That's good. Okay, listening to others. There's another way of just personally helping. Um, James chapter one verse twenty-seven talks about orphans and widows. Okay, orphans and widows taking time there. You know. Um, I'm glad that we don't have to wait for uh, Karen Duncan to set up a widows group because our congregation looks out for widows. I believe that. And we need to carry on with that. Let's look out for the widows. Let's in- encourage them. Let's come alongside of them. <clears throat> so, as you can see, these examples of here's virtue and good works, they're not confined to church on Sunday morning. Right? Fruit is the product. Fruitfulness is the product of what? 
a righteous life. And the only way you're going to see fruitfulness is when you are filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Get that in your mind of what He prayed. There's the core of His prayer, the heart of His prayer. Be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Just memorize that, get that in. Get that churning around in your mind so that you can say, hey, you know, what about the direction of my life? Is that, is that true? Is that evident? About fruitfulness in my life. Okay? And so now we go to letter C and it's maturity. That's what I understand and believe that when he says an increase in the knowledge of God, he's already said that. That's the core of his prayer. But now he comes back to say it again. An increasing in the knowledge of God. Listen, here it is. I wish I would have brought a tree in here. I can't do that, but you know what? It, you know what? Where we're going here? As the tree does what? Bears fruit. What's happening? And you can't see it because it's underground. What's happening underground? The roots are growing out. The roots are growing deeper. The roots are getting stronger. Okay, that's the picture of what he's getting at here is that your life is going to bear fruit, but it's, it's like a cycle. You, there's gotta, it's gotta come back to increasing the knowledge of God. Keep going there. And listen, it's not. It's not because there's some new revelation in it. Not at all. Remember what we called it last week? Here's the treasure chest of God's Word. Let's use another little word picture. Here's the universe. Have you, have you gotten it all figured out about the universe? You know it's there. Here's the stars. Here's the constellation. Here's other constellations. Here's other universes out there. Okay? That's, that's the concept in, in saying, boy, you know, there, there's more in the Word of God, the revealed Word of God that I need to keep feeding on. And you can say, well, I've read the Exodus story uh, ten times now. What kind of attitude does that bring forth? Like, I've been there, I've done that, I, I've got it down. Well, that, that's not a good heart of learning, is it? So we need to say, what, what more does God have for me here? I want to keep learning. Why? Because it, it will build you up and mature you in your faith. Okay? As the tree grows, it bears fruit. And as it's doing that, the root system grows deeper. Look at Ephesians. Turn back through Philippians and to Ephesians chapter 4. Now remember, Ephesians is like a, a bit of a parallel to the book of Colossians, right? Turn to chapter 4 and look and see what, it, what Paul is saying to the church at Ephesus. Chapter 4, verse 13. Well, let's back up to verse 12. He says, for it's, here's, it's for the equipping of the saints. What is? Teaching. Teaching is for the equipping of the saints. People that say they're believers. Okay? And it's for the work of service. The, the building up of the body of Christ. So the ministry starts where? With Christians serving the Lord. Right? Verse 13. Look at it. Look at it. 
He says, until we all attain. Attain what? Attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. The knowledge of the Son of God to what? A mature man. To the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So he's driving after what? Maturity. And then look at verse 14. As a result, we're no longer to be children. Tossed here and there by waves of, and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, by craftiness and deceitful scheming. Folks, that's still happening today. It still happens today. Where there's, there's these schemes going on. There's the trickery. The, the winds of doctrine, every wind of doctrine. It's like, you know, oh, here's something new. And a lot of times we, you know, we, it's like, oh, are we going to do that? Are we going to? And I disappoint people because I say, no, we're not going to do that because that's one of those every wind of doctrine kind of things. And it's flip this way and then they go this way and that way. And, and he's saying, no, I want you to be a mature man, a mature woman in the faith. Okay, so that we will no longer be children. The Bible gives us constant uh, encouragement and admonition about don't be a child anymore, but grow up in the faith. Okay, so I want you to mark these two verses down. Second um, Corinthians chapter four, verse six. 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6. And 2 Corinthians 10, 4 and 5. Now, we're talking about, here's, here's his, the heart of his prayer. What is it? The, to, to be filled with the knowledge of his will. And in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 6, it says, For it is God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, just like he did in Genesis. God commanded, and there is light. God commanded, and there's, there's life. And he says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, that light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So, it's the issue of, it comes back to who? To Jesus Christ. That we are learning and growing in Him. Trusting in Him. Now, I add 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4 and 5 for a, a reason now. It's very practical now. Look at, let's turn there. 2 Corinthians 10. 2 Corinthians 10, in verse 4 and 5. And here... He says, for the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. We are destroying speculations in every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. What's happening here in verse 5? Christian, you're called to do some destruction. <laughs> Because you've got thoughts coming into your brain that need to be trampled on and crushed. What kind of thoughts are those? It says it right there in verse 5. Against every 
thought that's raised up, every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. Why are we called to learn the Scriptures, to learn more and more of the Word? So we can discern what needs to be shut down, what needs to be pushed out, what needs to be crushed. And it's a constant thing. Today, you will have thoughts that are raised up against the knowledge of God. I will too. It's the battle that we're in. And so the battle is really, what are you thinking What is going on in your mind? And this is a challenge. It's subtle. And we think, ah, yeah, heard another message today. And, but what are we going to do? And listen, some of you, some of you are struggling in your life and you don't get it and you don't, you're not, you're having a hard time in this business of growing in the Christian life. Why? I'll tell you why. It's the passage we're studying in Colossians 1. It's not happening. It's not happening where you're not being filled with the knowledge of His will. And so you go off doing things that you shouldn't be doing. You go off doing things because you're not guided by the knowledge of His Word. And so I, I share 2 Corinthians 10, verse 5, saying, I need this, you need this. We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. I want to grow in His Word. I want to learn more and more about Him. we got to move on. Point number two on the back of your outline is the discovery of strength. By discovery, I mean it's not something new. Rather, it's what's been found, it's what's been there all the time. It's kind of like the discovery of, of the Americas. It, it wasn't like all of a sudden, poof, there it is. <laughs> it was always there. So, the same thing with the strength that God provides. Look at verse 11, back in Colossians chapter 1. Strengthened with all power, according to His glorious might, for the attaining of all steadfastness and patience joyously. He, God, has always been the source of strength for His children. So therefore, letter A is enablement from above. Enablement from above. He will give according to His glorious might, meaning there is an undiminished, and this is from A.T. Robertson in his commentary, an undiminished supply of God's power for the continuous needs of the saints. I love that. Let me say it again. It, he says there, it's an undiminished supply of God's power for the continuous needs of the saints. We said it before, no one is able to live the Christian life but Christ Himself. And that's our lifelong assignment. We could, you know, ten years from now, do a similar study. And we still need it. Why? Because we still have this struggle. We still have the problem. I need I need the reminder of uh, I need the reminder of Philippians four thirteen. Right? I can do what? All things, and that doesn't mean I get to choose whatever I want to do. That means the circumstances that I'm in in life, I can do all things through Christ who what strengthens me. 
And that's the, that's the cry we keep coming back to. Why? Because I'm trusting in Christ. I'm not trusting in myself. I'm not trusting in other things. I'm trusting in Christ alone. Live in and by His strength. He will give strength to His children and He'll do it according to His glorious might. And we, folks, we cannot even get a clue of that. We, we have no clue. Why? Because it's God's it's according to God's glorious might. It's unending. It's, it's a continual supply. It's an undiminished supply. And that's what Christ wants to do. When you open up your life and bow the knee and yield to God, He'll come in and He will give His strength. Okay? Now notice, it's, it's His strength that He gives us that we need to be relying on. Not ourselves, but on Him. Now, follow along. He says, Strengthen with all power according to His glorious might. For what? For the attaining of all steadfastness. Stop right there. Letter B. Letter B in your outline. Enablement for any situation. Any situation. He gives His strength. We receive His strength. For what? For all endurance that you may have great endurance, steadfastness. Okay? Now, um, we've got some long-distance runners here in our front row. Um, I challenge any one of you, except for Al Munoz, to run with them and see how long you can stay with our long-distance runners. Why? Because you and I can't do it. We're not conditioned. I don't have the endurance to stay with these guys. I'd like to think that. But none of us, except for Al and maybe maybe one or two other, none of us can stay with them. We don't have the endurance. But in Christ now, here's the, here's the parallel. We've got to remember, if we're being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding, then here's the result. You're going to have endurance that'll go beyond any kind of uh, cross-country race. It's for life. It's for life that you have this endurance. I'm sorry, but, you know, in my mind, it just goes directly back to, you know, I, I know I mention a lot, but it goes to Sarah so often. Here's this issue of, you know, her dealing with cancer or... Again, anyone else, anyone else dealing with cancer, dealing with stuff that's really, really nasty in life. All sorts of things. And you know what? We should not be surprised. Why are we surprised? Why do we ask questions like, why do bad things happen to good people? And we talked about that in our men's time on Friday morning. Wait a minute, that's the wrong question. Why do bad things happen to bad people is the right question. You think there's somebody good in here? Then I've got, if I think I'm good, then I've got the wrong mindset. If you think you're good, you've got the wrong mindset. And the more we understand our true condition apart from Christ the more we'll recognize how great we need Him. 
Okay? We've got to understand this, folks. He will give enablement for any situation because that's who He is. If you are a believer in Christ, you are putting your trust in Him and then whatever situation comes your way, He will provide. You can count on that. He will provide. We heard it in Sunday school this morning. He is not finished with you yet. If you're a believer, He's not finished with you yet. Hey, all I need to do is point out one good illustration from Daniel chapter 3. Who's that? Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. They, they would not do what? They would not bow down, right? Before King Nebuchadnezzar, before the big image, right? So guess what? The king says, okay, you're in. You're in the fiery tank. There you go. How do you like that for a, a surprise situation? You didn't necessarily wake up in the morning figuring you're going to get thrown in the fiery pit. And what happens? They didn't wait till they got out and said, nah, 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 nah. They didn't say that. They said, before they went in, our God will deliver us. How did they do that? Because they knew God and they knew His promises and His power. Do you? Do you? Do you know what's going to happen tomorrow? I don't. You don't. And so, will our strength be there? It's not my strength, it's His strength. Got to trust in His strength, folks. That's what He's saying here in verse 11. And not only any situation, but let us see any relation. Oh, now you've hit on one. I don't like this. I don't think... It's like I'd rather deal with a the storm or whatever, the, the event, the, the, tough, the tough situation, rather than people opposing me or people persecuting or people just being just a big thorn in the side. But see, what is it? What's the, folks, listen. What's the difference between steadfastness and patience? They're like two words in the same, you know, they're the same words, aren't they? But this is what I believe he's dealing with. Here's situations that you're going to face and you need strength for that. And the, and letter B is the strength of steadfastness under adverse conditions. And this letter C is now strength for what? Patience under ill treatment. Here's how I get treated. It's a, people at work, people at, you know, people that know I'm a Christian I'm, and, and are just down on me all the time. You say, oh, that doesn't happen in this deal. Yes, it does. Okay. I mean, take a look at Tim Tebow. <laughs> Every little move. And the press is on him like a, I don't know what. A fly on flypaper. Yeah. So, God provides a strength that's from God and it's for every situation and it's for any relation. And that's the idea of patience. It's long-suffering. Think! Think about Paul. Paul the Apostle. Opposition at, at almost every turn. Opposition, opposition. He's with Silas. They're in Philippi. And they're, you know, 
They get arrested. They get thrown in prison. What are they doing? They're responding with patience joyously. That's why I said it earlier. I don't think I mentioned it, but the attitude of joy, you see it in verse 11. Look at your Bible. In verse 11, you see that word joyously. And some commentators put it to the next verse. Joyously giving thanks to the Father. Well, hey, that's easy. But what does Scripture point out to us? What is Scripture pointing out to us? That all these saints were showing joy in trial. Paul and Silas. Okay? Their, their attitude. What James tells us in James chapter 1, verse 2 and 3. Count it all joy when you encounter various trials. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces Endurance, endurance, there it is again. Strength and endurance. And, oh, by the way, Jesus Himself, Hebrews chapter 12, who for the joy set before Him, what did He do? He endured the cross, despising its shame. And He sat down at the right hand of the Father. Jesus demonstrated it. Okay? So, are you experiencing that kind of strength? In your life? Well, all too often, because we are built the way we are built, we're relying on our own devices. We're relying on our own strength all too often. And today is the day where we can say, hey, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Is that true of you? The joy of the Lord is my strength. It's what He's done on our behalf. Okay, all right, so point number one again is about the, the vitality of growth. Point number two is the discovery of strength. It's from above. It's for every situation, every relation. And point number three, the frequency of thanks or thank, thankfulness, the frequency of it. So with these things as, as unfolding from this heart of Paul's prayer unfolding for us and now we come to this issue of thanksgiving. Specifically, who's it to? Verse 12, giving thanks to the Father. Okay? Because it was all His initiative. Letter A, for the Father's initiative. We give thanks for what He initiated. And He initiated you being Qualified. There it is in verse 12. Look at it. Giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. What does the word qualified mean? He's made us competent. I've said it already, but we'll say it again. In and of ourselves, we are not fit for God. We are not fit for God's kingdom. We are not fit. And He has made us fit. He has qualified us. He has made us competent. And then we, we give Him thanks for letter B, the Father's inheritance, who has qualified us to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. And it's the same, it's a parallel to what the Israelites received going into the promised land. When jo- they were under Joshua and they received the, the portion of land, the, the plot of land that they received. And they did that with each other, right? And that's why he's saying here, to share in the inheritance 
of the saints in light. God has fitted us, qualified us in that way. All right. So, a lot to consider here this morning. I want you to understand that the whole key is right there in verse 9. You know, we face the very thing that I, I talked about earlier. We face that as we close our time and walk out of here. What we face is complacency. Are you with me? We face complacency. And I think that's, I know that's a big general statement. It's a blanket statement. But I tell you, the more you as a Christian, the more I as a Christian can be thinking in these terms of how Paul prayed that I would be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. That I wouldn't just be a, a fact uh, guru, but I would be taking what I'm learning and then processing it and then getting it into action. What you know, that's the idea behind a tree bearing fruit. It's it's taking up the nutrients and then it's doing what it's it, what it's naturally made to do. And there's a process in that that biological, zoological thing, whatever the term is, there's a process there. And is the process happening in you, in your life? Are you mindful of where the, what the results ought to be? Are you learning and growing in, in His Word? And is there, is there fruit? And it's not to say that fruit ought to be popping up all the time. It, that's not the case. But fruit ought to be coming. What about the fruit of evangelism? The fruit of talking to somebody about Christ. We've brought that up in the past. We want to bring it up again. We want to share. We've got, we say we've got the answer because it's Jesus. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Are we, are we ready in that way? Are we shining in that way for Him, for His glory? So, next week, uh, Pastor Brennan will be picking up on the, the following passage, which is a, another powerful passage uh, regarding being uh, rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Okay? So, Join us next week, and Pastor Brennan will be leading in that time. Uh, Noreen and I will be traveling to see my mom, and uh, uh, she'll be up visiting Noreen's mom. So we've got a little uh, mom time there. Both of our moms in uh, Apple Valley next week in, Cal- in Southern California. So we appreciate your prayers for journey mercies in that. Uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. 
and we'll be dismissed then. Let's pray.